Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th TV series edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Kim. Hey everyone, Kim needed to take a week off, so me being me, after being able to edit the last episode we did so quickly and having a free day, decided I would get a jump on the next episode and do it myself, just so we can stay ahead, because we're not as ahead as we normally are. And just for the people who have heard me do episodes by myself before, yes, there's more clips because I don't want people to get sick of listening to me. And there's more clips because I use them as scene breakers because I watch five minutes, record five minutes. So I'm kind of like watching it in real time. So I'm figuring things out or not as we go along. And these are the episode credits for Friday the 13th, the series. Season 2, episode 21, Wedding in Black. Series created by Frank Mancuso Jr. and Larry B. Williams. Written by Peter Lauterman and Angelo Stea. Directed Rodney Charters. Original air date, May 8th, 1989. So let's get started with Season 2, Episode 21, Wedding in Black. We open up in Buenos Aires, which that's different. And my without glasses self thought that it was Jack bending over, either looking at something or talking to the three women that were at the table. At the very beginning, I guess it wasn't. But we're following a different man, Calvin, who obviously thinks way too much of himself, who orders two tequilas. He gives a girl at the table some kind of come-here eyes, and she does, as another man watches her go. None of these people are the man I thought was Jack. So full disclosure, I'm watching a piece at a time, but I do have to go and look up the names of the characters, so I'm not calling everyone that guy until they finally decide to use their name, and sometimes they never do, or I miss it. So I always have to go look at the characters. Other than the characters, I don't look at anything else. But anyway, I just saw that Jill Hennessy from Law and Order and Crossing Jordan is in this episode, and I wouldn't have recognized her. Maybe I would have. I probably wouldn't have at first. Calvin gives the girl, who is credited with no name only as a sex worker, Jill Hennessy, Probably why the other man was watching so intently. He was probably her business manager. Calvin shows her a snow globe. He says it's magic. They leave the bar and they go to Calvin's apartment. Calvin's wearing gloves and begins to strangle the woman. She falls on the bed dead next to the snow globe. And I'm not really sure if I was supposed to be seeing something in the snow globe when they put the camera on it. Or if we were just supposed to see it was there. But I didn't see anything, I don't think. So I guess we'll see later. But in the very next scene... Calvin's in a cell, and the guards come to take him to his execution. He insists that he didn't kill anyone, and we also hear that he's American, because in the earlier scene, he was speaking Spanish with subtitles. So Calvin begins bargaining with, I'm guessing, Satan. He says he's done what was asked of him, and they had a deal. And he gets an answer. Satan, I'm guessing, says that he needs Calvin somewhere else, and it's time. And then Calvin is executed. So I'm guessing here that the artifact is the snow globe, although I've been wrong before, but it's it seems pretty obvious. So I'm going to guess that he's got to get somebody to hold it before he kills them. But yeah, I'm not I'm not exactly sure how it works yet. I don't know. Maybe maybe if he gets somebody to hold it before he kills them, then they get that soul. So I don't know. For right now, I'm going to go with he's collecting souls because there was no benefit. Usually, if there's an artifact, they use it to kill somebody and then there's a benefit to them. But there's no benefit to him. He's in jail. So I don't know what to make of this right now. Unless he's collecting souls for Satan. I don't know what else it would be. I don't know. We'll have to see. We had a deal. He saw Calvin. 
let's just say if this in fact is supposed to be Satan's voice, they could have done a better job. Just saying. So now we've moved on to Nigeria. This is a really different episode. Usually everything takes place close to the store or within driving distance. Brother Antonio was praying and sweating a lot. He attacks a woman who had come in to bring him water, I think. He says he deserves something for everything he's done for them, her people. So she, to me, looked apprehensive when she first came in. So I'm guessing this behavior is not out of the ordinary for him. So her screams bring two men. Screaming! Yeah! Screaming! <laughs> Squeaky! Squeaky! Screaming! <laughs> yeah! So it kind of looks like they set him up, too. Her screams bring two men who save her and tie him down to the bed. They take the woman out, and another man comes in with a torch and lights the bed on fire. And we hear Satan... I'm going to keep calling him Satan until I see otherwise, telling Antonio that he needs him. Now we've moved to Miami and a newscast about a nurse, Maya Zettler, who's accused of killing 17 seniors in a nursing home, like an angel of mercy killer. The story says that she's been released on bail and watching the story on TV is Maya, knife in hand, seeming very upset about the story and cuts her wrist. As she dies, she hears Satan calling her. I'm still not getting what the snow globe has to do with anything because we haven't seen it since the first guy Calvin died. And maybe this is another episode where we're dealing with two separate stories again. I don't know. But this better not be another Uncle Lewis story. This better not be Uncle Lewis calling all these people. And honestly, I don't remember if we ever see Uncle Lewis again, but I really don't remember much of anything from this series. It's weird how you can think you remember a series so well that you remember watching it 35 years later and then remember absolutely nothing about it except for the characters. And so far, the only episode that seemed vaguely familiar to me was Tattoo. Although I do remember something specifically, a specific scene and something happening farther on. And I could be totally wrong about that too. I don't think I am, but... I could be because obviously I remember nothing about the series. Anyway, we do get to see Maya in what I imagine is hell. Calvin and Brother Antonio are there as well. Satan's voice welcomes them home. So Calvin's angry and yells at the voice that he served him. It seems as if they believe they were betrayed by whoever this is. Satan says that he has to combine their talents and then he can offer them a chance at a new life. A new life, another life, I don't know. And then, oh my God, he tells them that there are three people who are collecting items that he has cursed. Oh my God. I didn't see Uncle Lewis listed in the credits, but I only went as far as to get Calvin the nurse and Brother Antonio's name. So maybe he was there, but I didn't see him. And really, when I said I hope this wasn't another Uncle Lewis episode, I really just said it because that voice was so horrible. It was just such a bad Satan voice. I didn't really think it was, but okay, I'm hoping that when he says I cursed, he means I as Satan through Uncle Lewis and not I as in Uncle Lewis himself. So he tells them that each of the three people that he wants them to go after shares a past with each one of them. So that's interesting. Their mission is to stop Jack, Mickey, and Ryan from collecting antiques. Probably to kill him. You know, he doesn't say that, but that's usually how it works in the show. So now we're finally at the store. Jack tells Mickey that she's received a package from Argentina. Mickey doesn't think she knows anyone from Argentina. When she opens it, it's the snow globe but Mickey recognizes the building inside. She says it's the magic castle. It's what she calls a tourist trap near where she grew up. 
She actually has some sort of affinity for the place because as a kid, she says she bought as many snow globes of the place that she could find. Magic Castle. What's that? It's a tourist trap near where I grew up. My whole seventh grade went there once on an outing. I must have bought every one of these that existed in the souvenir store. Who would send it to you here? I would. So Calvin, who's not looking bad for a dead guy, I must say, shows up and he sent the snow globe. It seems as if she dumped him for Lloyd back in the day. We don't miss Lloyd. So Mickey introduces him to Jack and Ryan as an old friend from school. And he just kind of stares straight ahead. I don't know if he was glaring at Ryan like he was jealous of this other young guy in the store or what. But it was weird. Calvin says he's on the way to some lodge and asks Mickey to go with to go with him. She does point out at this time of year, which means it's probably going to be abandoned. Not abandoned, but there's probably not going to be a lot of people there. So, you know, it'll give him more of a chance to kill her or do whatever he's going to do to her. But Ryan sticks his nose in and tells Mickey that she should go. They all need a break. So Mickey's still hesitant, and even Jack says that she should at least go for the weekend. I just can't go someplace. Why don't you, Mickey? We could all use a break around here. Jack, I don't know about you. I could use a break. Well, it's not that. It's, uh, I just don't feel that I should... You think you might take advantage of me? (laughs) Mickey, you said it wasn't very far. Why don't you take the weekend off? What is this? male conspiracy so i don't know why these two are so willing to send her away with some guy they hardly know and i don't know why jack hasn't checked the manifest for the globe it would kind of be the first thing i did when a strange package arrives at the store even if it's a gift for somebody i would still always check it and what about the globe is it an artifact is it an antique i don't even know now i originally thought it was the antique And I do realize I keep calling the antiques artifacts. I think I'm going to probably do that forever. After Warehouse 13, I can't get artifact out of my head. So first I thought it was the antique because he sent it to the store. And I thought that meant something was going to happen to them. But then he showed up. So was it just kind of a prop to get into their good graces? Like, oh, what a nice guy. He remembers that she loves this castle place. Or is it still an an antique? I don't know. It doesn't make sense because they don't have it with them. I I don't think. I don't think she packed it. Maybe she did. I don't know. So Mickey and Calvin drive up to the lodge. Mickey asks why Calvin looked her up. And he tells her that Lloyd wanted him to look in on her. And that he may be interested in getting back together. She's a little upset that he didn't come on his own. But she gets over it pretty quickly. It really starts snowing like a blizzard. So I imagine this has to be the snow globe at work. I'm still confused. Did the killing of the sex worker have anything to do with the snow globe at all? Or did he just kill her? So Mickey insists that he slow down because it's like blinding snow. But he keeps going and eventually just drives out of the snow back into normal weather. So they get to the lodge and it's like the magic castle. Now I think maybe they're inside the snow globe. There was an episode of Haven where the town ended up in a snow globe. It was pretty good. So Calvin says that it's an exact copy of the magic castle and he always wanted to bring her here. Back at the store, Jack is playing with the snow globe when Antonio comes in. He seems to be an old friend of Jack's. So Ryan looks skeptical, and I imagine that it's because two old friends have shown up on the same day, and then he stares at the snow globe. So go Ryan for making those connections in his head. But the problem is that 
that leaves the nurse, Mia, as Ryan's connection. And we know how Ryan can't keep his head when a female's around. So I'm worried all the suspicions may just fade away when or if she shows up. Or maybe he'll just surprise me and become more suspicious. Jack agrees to go to a monastery retreat with Antonio for the weekend. Ryan tries to talk to him about the oddity of it all, but Jack won't listen, which is weird for Jack. Jack and Antonio are walking through the woods to the monastery when they get hit with a freak snowstorm as well. When they get out of the snow, they're also at the Magic Castle. But Antonio says it's a copy of the First Order in Italy. Now, what I thought was happening, Mickey was at the Magic Castle, the place where she loved when she was a kid. And I thought Jack was going to be at some monastery that he was always enamored with. Like they were going to be living in the places that they always dreamed of and weren't going to want to leave. That's what I thought was happening. So I wondered if they were in separate castles or if they were at the same place. So I don't know if they're in a snow globe or if this is one castle. I just wondered if they were going to run into each other, if they were in the same place or not. So meanwhile, Ryan checks the manifest for the snow globe and finds nothing. And just as he's examining it, Maya walks in. So now I get it. As soon as one of them touches it, their counterpart shows up. But now she's been in the news for murdering 17 seniors. So I'm wondering if the news made it to Chicago or wherever he's supposed to be. But I guess not, because she tells him she just moved there and looked him up, and he doesn't seem to know anything about her criminal past. So Ryan's not gushing all over her yet. Apparently she dumped him five years ago, and he's not happy about it still. She wants to be friends, but he wants her to leave, because he, he knows something's going on, and fortunately he's not falling for her. But then he backs down and asks her to wait until he makes a few calls. I guess... He doesn't want to believe something's going on, so I'm guessing he's making calls to alleviate his fears. Like, if Jack and Mickey are fine, then he's just going to chalk all this up to being in his own imagination. So Calvin comes to Mickey's room to have a drink before dinner. Jack and Antonio are walking down a corridor and run into Mickey and Calvin, but they pass through each other. It's like they're in a parallel universe existing in the same place. But later we see that Calvin and brother Antonio can see each other. So Ryan can't find any record of Quiet Springs Lodge. Maya tries to explain it away as a misunderstanding. But fortunately, Ryan still doesn't trust the situation and still isn't falling for Maya yet. Ryan makes a long-distance call, and I was hoping he was calling Rashid because he needs Rashid to help him at this point. But then we just go back to the castle, and we see Antonio spying on Jack through a peephole and Calvin trying to talk Mickey into a nightcap. Jack, in his sleep, seems to be able to hear Mickey and Calvin talking. When he wakes up, he still hears them and leaves his room to investigate. At the store, we learn that the long-distance call Ryan was making was not to Rashid, but to Lloyd. (sighs) Lloyd. Lloyd tells Ryan that Calvin was arrested for killing a bunch of women a few years ago, but they had to let him go for lack of evidence. He left the States and apparently moved to Argentina, where he was sentenced to death three weeks ago, for I'd imagine killing the sex worker and maybe others. Two years ago, Calvin was arrested for the murders of several women. Murder? They had to let him go for, for lack of evidence. He left the country. Three weeks ago, he was sentenced to death in Argentina. Well, that can't be. So totally off the subject, I probably wouldn't notice this, have ever noticed this, if I wasn't pulling clips for a podcast. But I've noticed, especially in this episode, but I've noticed before that in every clip I pull from the store, you know, unless things are blowing up or something, you could always hear that clock ticking continuously through the clip. It's so apparent that I'm wondering, it has to be on purpose, but I'm wondering if that means something somewhere down the road. It's just so purposeful that it it has to mean something. Or they just have an exceptionally loud prop clock and I'm making up things in my head again. 
Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, the Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Maya insists that the story that Ryan got was wrong because Calvin had been there, so obviously he's alive. Ryan once again looks over at the snow globe. Back at the castle, Mickey relents and allows Calvin to stay for a drink. Jack is still wandering the halls. He hears the door shut and follows the sound to what is marked as the library in Jack's universe. He can hear Mickey talking through the door. Jack goes into the library and hears Mickey explaining who Jack and Ryan are. But they're not in the room. He's seeing them on a TV. As Mickey is explaining, without explaining, the business they're in, Jack whispers her name. And Calvin turns his head in Jack's direction to make it clear that he can hear him. Jack backs out of the library and runs down the hall and finds Antonio heading in his direction. Jack brings Antonio to the library, but now it's Mickey's room. He tries to talk to Mickey, but she walks right through him. Antonio tells Jack to forget about Mickey. He's brought this on all of them by teaching them how to hunt antiques and undo their master's work. They've become too good at what they do, so the master's going to give Mickey a bigger purpose to get her mind off of hunting antiques. And the bigger purpose is their child. So when he says their child, he means Mickey and the master, and not Mickey and Calvin. Sort of like Rosemary's baby. What the hell is going on? Where am I? Forget about Mickey, Jack. She's much too busy falling in love with that handsome young man. Then this is a dream. It's no dream. Our master has watched you undo his works for the last time. You brought this on her, Jack. Encouraging her to go after all those little curios. What's he going to do with her? You inspired her sense of mission. You've become successful beyond the master's expectations. So now he will give Mickey an even more powerful sense of purpose. Their child. No! When Jack threatens Antonio by telling him that he won't let them do this, Antonio says that Lucifer will trade Mickey for Jack's soul. If she accepts Calvin, she will have accepted the master. And Jack is her only hope. Women find Calvin quite irresistible. As you know, accepting one evil is the same as accepting another. Her only hope is you, Jack. So back at the store, Ryan finds Calvin's picture in the paper. He's going off to find Jack. Maya keeps trying to get him to believe he's overreacting. She also tries to play the I came back to see you card. But surprisingly, again, he puts her off and leaves her alone in the store and with the globe. When she touches the globe, she disappears and reappears in the castle. But she gets reprimanded by the voice wanting to know why she's there. She was supposed to keep Ryan away from the castle. But apparently she doesn't seem to be as all in as the other two are. She says that she remembers what it was like to be near him. He has all the good qualities that she wishes she had. 
and the master says Ryan will be overwhelmed with guilt when he realizes that he's wasted time with Maya when he should have been looking for Mickey. He tells her that Mickey will be the mother of his child. Maya screams no, and the master re-slits her wrist. He tells her that having all three of them together in the globe could destroy his power. Apparently his power is limited to the, the globe. Or I guess his power outside the globe isn't as strong as his power inside the globe. So he threatens her with the never-ending pain that she's feeling now as her wrists are bleeding. And she gives in and says she'll do anything to keep that from happening. He stops the wrist from bleeding and tells her to go back to the shop and keep Ryan from coming there until the child is conceived. I'm a little confused here too. So if they're in a snow globe... How would Ryan be able to get there anyway without one of these three people? I mean, does a storm just pop up anywhere he might be and he comes out at the castle? You know, she was able to pop in and out. But Jack and Mickey got there, I thought, with the help of the other two. They went through the snowstorm and they were in the snow globe. It's not like they were walking down the street. They were all on their way somewhere. So how would Ryan get in there anyway without her? I'm a little confused about that. But anyway... Jack makes it outside of the castle, but Antonio stops him and tells him there's no way out. Jack runs off. Mickey and Calvin are also taking a walk outside. Calvin tries to kiss Mickey, but she says no. The master screams, take her, which we can see affects Calvin, but Mickey can't hear it. Jack is still wandering and finds the wall of the dome. He can see Ryan and Maya at the store. And you know, one of the times Ryan looked over at the snow globe, I wondered if he'd be able to see them in there if he really looked. But I thought it was goofy, so I disregarded it. Obviously, he can't because he looked right in there and he didn't see Jack. So Ryan has discovered that Brother Antonio died two years ago, and the monastery, of course, doesn't exist. So Ryan begins putting the pieces together about the globe. He's also found the information about Maya's crimes and suicide. She tells him she had no choice. She was told, like we said earlier, that Ryan would go crazy from the guilt when this was all over. When Ryan asks who said this, she says the one whose curses you destroy. But they never specifically say Lewis, so it's still unclear to me whether they mean Lewis or Satan. But I think at this point, if it was Lewis, we'd be seeing him laughing in a mirror somewhere. So at this point, I'm guessing Lewis is not in the picture. She tells Ryan that Jack and Mickey are in the globe. All the time, Jack is trying to get Ryan's attention, but he's too small for Ryan to see. So Maya brings Ryan to the entrance of the globe. She collapses and her wrist begins to bleed again. The master tells her they're both going to die, but Maya tells Ryan to get inside the globe and not to stop for anything. He sees her die and disappear as he leaves. Ryan is running around yelling for Mickey. He can't see Calvin and Antonio and walks right through them. We'll see if he'll be able to see Mickey or Jack or both or neither. I'm guessing he'll be able to see one of them at least. Calvin says that Ryan will get the same deal they offered to Jack, his soul for Mickey's life. Jack hears Ryan yelling for Mickey and goes after him. Mickey and Calvin are discussing why Mickey's so apprehensive about being with him. And she really never says. She starts talking about it's not him, it's her. But she never really says anything that... I recall. And then he talks pretty to her and she has a change of heart. She makes such a big deal about whatever her problem is and then he says a few nice things to her and that's it. So Ryan comes in but Mickey can't see him. Calvin can. And Ryan can see Calvin as well. He's laughing and telling Ryan that Mickey is almost his. Jack finds Ryan and they can see each other. And they're corporeal to each other. Whereas Mickey, you know, Ryan keeps trying to grab her and his hand goes right through. So Jack gets Ryan out of the room. Ryan tells Jack that Maya helped him get there, but he thinks she's dead. He tells Jack that Calvin and Antonio are dead as well and have been for a while. 
Jack fills Ryan in on the whole bearing the devil's child plan, so not Uncle Lewis at all, the devil. Jack tells Ryan that just like any other curse, it doesn't work unless you give yourself over to it. And Mickey thinks this guy is legit and she's in love with him, even though she didn't want to kiss him 10 minutes ago. So she could obviously give herself over to him because she thinks he's somebody else or she thinks he's the guy she used to know, whatever. Jack tells Ryan that they're inside the globe and Ryan says that it's all an illusion. Brother Antonio arrives to give Ryan the same deal, his soul for Mickey's. They leave Brother Antonio and take off down the hallway. Jack has a plan and asks Ryan where the globe is now, and Ryan says it's on the desk at the store. Jack and Ryan get into the car. Jack says it's their only hope. While they're looking for the edge of the globe, Mickey's fallen under Calvin's spell. Calvin is looking for consent. He has to be sure she's willing, and there are no devil loopholes. She consents, and he turns into his dead self, and he along with Antonio stand around the room laughing see and I don't understand that because she's giving consent to him and I don't know why they keep saying that equals her giving consent to the devil I know somewhere along the line they said once you give consent to evil it's easier to give consent to evil but still the way they said it even if she gave consent to this guy who's evil that doesn't mean she gives consent to the devil who's evil that's the way I look at it but apparently that's not the way they look at it evil is evil so if you give consent to evil you give consent to all evil So Mickey runs for the door, but it closes her in the room. Calvin begins to summon Lucifer, and then Calvin knocks her out and brings her to the bed. Satan shows up as Jack and Ryan are still driving around looking for the edge of the globe. The storm marks the edge of the illusion. Find the glass! Jack and Ryan find the edge of the globe, just as Satan is coming for Mickey. They knock into it with their car, so the bump is enough to knock the globe off the desk. The commotion of the fall shakes things up enough for Mickey to get out of the room. She runs outside, and the demon, devil, or whoever it is, follows her and bursts into flames. The globe hits the floor and shatters. They all find themselves on the floor in the store, wet and covered in fake snow. Later, they all talk about how lucky they were, and how Maya, who was inspired by Ryan, decided that helping them was worth giving up a new life. Maybe we're all lucky. I mean, if, if Maya hadn't had a change of heart. Yeah. Why did she help us? I think that Lucifer assumed that her desire for another life would outweigh all other considerations, but you reminded her of what she really wanted out of life. Maybe that helped her to regain her immortal soul. Ryan's worried that Mickey actually saw the devil, or he wanted to know if she actually saw the devil, but she says she only remembers seeing Satan's cold, empty eyes. And Jack thinks that maybe that is what evil is, the absence of good. Jack believes this will not be the last time that they will come up against the devil. Do you think you'll come after us again? I think all we've done is manage to survive round one. So the cursed antique from Friday the 13th wiki is a snow globe that traps its victims in a fantasy landscape. Though magical, it is technically not one of the cursed antiques and is destroyed. So again, this was another antique that was not cursed by Lewis. I think this is the second one, right? So we have a warehouse connection. Guy Bannerman who played Brother Antonio in this episode, played Owen Larson in the Warehouse 13 episode Trials. His character used Typhoid Mary's butcher knife to transfer the leukemia from his son to himself to keep his son alive. And the only other warehouse connection I could find was the freezing snow globe. Is a snow globe that produces a shower of icy air and freezes everything it touches. It's kept in Warehouse 13. Other than it being a snow globe, there's nothing else that compares to this snow globe. 
So I did like this one, even when we got to the point where I thought it was going to be an Uncle Lewis episode, because I really don't like Uncle Lewis episodes. But I liked that they started mixing things up a bit instead of following the same formula every week. I like the changes they've made. We've had antiques that aren't cursed antiques. We've had an episode where they had two storylines going and one antique got away or they let it get away in order to save a kid. And we've had a few twists. I'm liking the changes that they're making because it was kind of getting to be the same thing every week. You know, we all knew what was going on. There was really nothing to surprise you. It was just how are they going to get the antique? We knew what the antique was usually. We knew what it was doing. We knew what the people had to do, that they were going to have to keep killing people or whatever. The only thing we had to wonder was how are they going to get the antique? So I'm kind of glad they're mixing everything up. So we'll be back next week with episode 22, which seems to be another wedding titled episode, Wedding Bell Blues. And Kim will be back with us next week. So we'll see you then. This is Doug reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse, on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to The 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition, Suspense Night, provided by Anton Kornienko, Pixabay user 147-98912, free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at the warehouse.